Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas today. Consumer products world uh, with, I mean, a product we've never, ever covered on the ContenderCast. And with me today is David Taffet, CEO and founder of Pedal. David, thanks so much for jumping in this morning. I'm excited. I appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, another energy guy, which I love. Um, we just had such a fun time kind of getting to know each other before the before hitting record. And um, you guys are going to really, really enjoy getting to know David today. So, David, let's start with this. I In doing my homework on you found you went to Duke, which is awesome, ACC. Um, for, you know, got your degree in public policy. And then you went to law school. And here you are doing like a consumer product startup after many other startups. So, how did you – what were you thinking when you went to school – in public policy and in law, was it to be an entrepreneur or was it a different path? And then you got into the entrepreneurship world. I had always thought I was going to be a civil rights lawyer <laughs> from the time I was four years wow. old. I was going to be an active attorney. I was going to be in some sleepy Southern town and I was going to turn this world upside down and make everything that was unjust right. Wow. Unjust right. And so the path I had followed was one of extreme passion and conviction from beginning to end. The part that's not obvious to people at my resume, though, is I actually grew up very poor and had to put myself through school and through, through college and through law school. And so from the time I was eight, I was an entrepreneur and that it was never just enough to take on an hourly wage or a task price. So I learned how to get other people to work with me. And my first paper out had multiple people and I made more money than I have in some of my adult businesses wow. and, Unbelievable. Uh, and I had, I had run several businesses in college and in law school. So the fact that I ended up as an entrepreneur is kind of natural. It's just not the path I took. Life is what happens when you make other so, plans. So I'm true. living it. Did, so when was the point that you realized, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be the civil rights attorney I'm, I'm going to be doing something different. Was there a moment when you realized that? or there was, was it? A, there was a moment. Yes, there was a moment of extreme pain, actually, which is where oh, I find no. all growth happens is when you're at your height of discomfort is when you know you're about to experience something significant, a real change. And mine was that I was actually on that path. And in fact, I was on a rocket path. I was doing really well as a lawyer. Sure. I was getting major RICO cases and also major civil rights cases. Wow. But the problem was is that I had hit the trifecta in bosses at a big Philadelphia law firm and the what trifecta was one of yeah. pain. Okay. <laughs> um, I had three individuals that were known to be the worst bosses within this large law firm that I worked. And one in particular had burned through associates back to back to back to back over the course of three years. And I was the first one to survive over a year. But wow. one night he decided that he was going to have me stay to work, despite the fact that I had given notice for a week that I was taking my wife out for Valentine's. And it was to stay to do something that wasn't due to the following Monday. And I asked him if he would be there when I finished. He said, nope. And he said, um, I said, you're going to be there tomorrow for it. And this was on a Friday night. And he goes, nope. And I said, when are you going to be here? And he goes, on Monday. And I said, well, be on your desk on Monday. I'm leaving. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're not. And I turned to him. Uh -huh. and I said, I'll tell you what. You're fired. He goes, what? I said, you're fired. I will never again work 
for anybody and especially not for you. <laughs> and I quit on Monday with the managing partner of the firm. I went to the managing partner and told him I'm quitting. I did a wind down. And at the time I had a house, two oh, children, oh my gosh. a wife, no background, no savings, nothing. Oh. I was absolutely through working for anybody else. And I started out working for myself. Oh my god! And it's been an amazing path ever since. And I've had some spectacular failures. <laughs> and I've had some nice successes <laughs> along the way too. So when you came home that night or for Valentine's, was that awkward or was it she like, yeah, that's good that you did that? No, no, it was awful. It was oh, awful. I had, I had zero support from any <laughs> member of my family. I had from my wife. Everyone was afraid, and oh, um, it was a very lonely experience. I wish I could give you this thing that I came home a hero, and everyone was supporting right, me, and of believed course. in my, what I was going to do. And like, you you went to law school. <laughs> you finished three bars. Oh You've been God. practicing for five years. You're on a partnership track. What are you doing? Three bars. I said, I'm living oh my, my life. Yeah, I had done New Jersey, uh, oh. Pennsylvania, and D.C. Oh, I'm, I haven't. I am not in the space. I have friends that are. I can't imagine. Wow. Um, My condolences to all of them. I, <laughs> right. I, it's the best decision I ever made, despite all the pain it took to do it. Wow. Um, Leaving. That is. <laughs> wow. No. I mean, what an amazing story. Um. You know. So you started off working for yourself, and for those that don't know David, you know, you can check out his his background. Lots of really interesting entrepreneur entrepreneurial work was there a time you know when you started working on your own that you started having ideas around companies that you really were interested in or what how did you get kind of into that entrepreneurial path besides just yourself you know that your your own business well the way i started out was first going into an investment banking orientation where i would help people with their businesses got it because even at a very young age i had learned so much about business and as a lawyer even though i was a litigator I always looked at the building side of it as opposed to the obstructionist side of it. Sure. To how can I actually create something better? And I, I would love to be able to tell the world that I'm the most creative person. <laughs> I thought of all these original ideas. and and But for my vision, these things would not have been in the world. But I'm not that person. I'm actually someone who can hear an idea and see how to and take it bring to market. It to life. Got it. And then bring a team behind it. And in all of my iterations. I am not the creator of the underlying business, but I am often the builder of the startup through its to fruition, whether that's being purchased or shuttered. That's and I've a, had both. That's an interesting idea. Okay. So do you think, and you've been in this world now for a while, do you think there are people that are the just on the creative side, just on the idea side versus the business side, I'll call it, or the kind of how do you bring it to life? Or do you find, have you run into people that can walk the line between the two areas? I, I actually think that it takes two distinct disciplines to be the one who comes up with a product set. And often those people should not be leading unless you become an Elon Musk and you can make billions of dollars sure. and you do whatever the hell you want to do. Right. You ought not be the one who is leading it. But I wouldn't divide it based on creativity. I actually consider myself highly creative and really curious and completely open. And in fact, if you were to look at my progression, there's almost there's 30 plus or minus businesses that I have been the head of. Not one of them is the same as before. And in fact, not one of the raises, not one of the operations, not one of the teams. And even geographically, they're all over the world. Wow. So that takes a lot of, of flexibility and creativity to work in these different cultures and to build these different companies, but it it's a different creativity than you employ 
to engineer or conceive of a new service or product. And I don't have that one as much. That's an interesting idea. Now, have you played the same role in each of the companies you've been a part of? Or what, what does that look like before we get to pedal? No, you know, I am very much a with and through people person. And so the way I approach companies isn't like I need to come to the helm as the CEO. In fact, oftentimes I'll perceive a need to stay behind the scenes or to the side of the scenes. And I'll only take the role that I think is essential for execution with excellence that fits the culture of our company. And one example I can give you is that I had run a a national company that had hit some headwinds because one of our competitors was not a a good egg and had spent an insane amount. I anticipated it was going to spend an insane amount of money on a Super Bowl ad, which would tell everybody in our market how much money we were making. (laughs) So I I saw immediately (laughs) that we were going to be completely crowded. And I, I only had a few competitors. So what I did is I created another company by women, for women, and through women, with the only difference being is I was the architect of it. So I allowed, I, once I came up with the concept, I decided that we'd pursue a business called Red Swan. I focused on Rachel Ray, and Rachel Ray was going to be the end-all, be-all of our brand development. And I knew that we would succeed if Rachel Ray wanted our product. And But to operate it, I put women who are already in our company and were already executives all up front, and I stepped to the side and just helped them as a mentor and coach from the side for them to run this company in their own executive modes. And in fact, that company did go on on Rachel Ray. She loved the product. There's an ad, there's a whole video out there about her screaming that she wants to be a red swan. And (laughs) that business was very successful. The competitor did indeed do the Super Bowl ads. My instincts were right. And that other business went to poop because (laughs) we ended up having so many competitors within a month that it just dried up completely. So I anticipate it well and put my ego to the side and let someone (laughs) else take the lead. And it was the right thing to do. Wow. That's fascinating. Well, and and you've got so many lessons learned we're going to touch on a little later in the podcast from your different experiences, but let's get to pedal. Um, The world's first freezer disposal that naturally stops rot, eliminates odors, and prevents the spread of germs before they start. I, when I, of course, I saw this. I'm like, we absolutely, you know, need to talk about this. This is really an interesting product. And it, I didn't see in your background that you had been in the product space. So how did this start? Where did pedal? Where did this idea come from? Ironically, this started because of my mentor orientation. Oh. Sixteen years ago, I was doing a turnaround for a biometrics company based out of Ottawa, Canada. And there was a bar back at the Fairmont Hotel where I would stay whenever I would go to do my turnaround work with that company. And at the time he was 16 years old and he asked me to describe for him what he might want to consider as he went on to college and grew professionally. And at the end of this three, four month period where I was doing the turnaround, he had asked me if I would spend time with him. He had made up a hundred questions that he wanted to ask me. So we spent four, five, six hours, and I answered every single one of his (laughs) questions, and I was really impressed with the kid. And then 16 years ago, last April, he wrote me and said, David, do you remember me? I'm the the kid from the Fairmont. (laughs) I'm actually successful now. (laughs) And um, I went to Toronto to meet with him. And he's now, and, and, and he was really pleased with his progress and where he is in the world. And he was an investment banking, market making, trading um, oriented professional. And he had a company in his portfolio that he thought would interest me, and it was Pedal. 
which is the one wow. that I, I'm now at the head of. And I met with the rocket scientists who were behind it. So again, this is an instance where I did not create the concept, sure. did not create the product, but these rocket scientists had spent about four years doing it. Wow. And they were describing how they had made the perfect diaper disposal device. And it had all kinds of uses, but they were going to go head to head with Diaper Genie and oh, Ubi, which are the two it. main competitors in the space. Got it. And the thing that changed is that I explained to them that if you're going to go at something, you don't go head to head, you crush them, you supplant them, that you make this into a category killer and you take everybody on, but not by name, but because none of them do what we should have been doing for all of time, which is stopping the rot, the stink and the spread of germs. Sure. Nothing else in the world has ever done this. Wow. And, and that changed everyone's thinking. Well, and as you got engaged, where were they in product development? Where was it? Was the product in a prototype? Was it in design? Where, you know, where was it when you jumped in? They had three iterations of fully functioning prototypes that work perfectly and did everything that they said. And the things that they were perfecting was just getting the energy consumption down. And, and now it's down to less than a U.S. dollar a month. Wow. And um, the, uh, the reason I qualify U.S. dollars is the engineers are out of Canada. Uh, so there's, yep. they were always telling me what I was doing on the Celsius, and I kept telling them what it had to do on the Fahrenheit <laughs> side. Got it. Well, that is fascinating. So um, so you're, you're taking an interesting approach, right, versus traditional VC. You're doing a pre-sale crowdfunding, crowdfunding event um, later this summer. And has that timing, I know the timing has been planned now for a bit of time. Any impact from COVID, or are we still on track with that? Yeah, you know, um, COVID has had one detrimental effect and three very powerful, um, powerful positive effects. So the one detrimental, and it's really not terribly detrimental, is that it has delayed everything. Sure, uh, we really feel like we're people, we're right. waiting for things to open, and it's across the board. So it's not as if it's punishing us, and and even if it were us, I would never think it was personal. But in this instance. We're we're not able to do our videos because we can't get studio times. We're not Got able it. to do some of our Got photo it. shoots. So, but instead, it just means you get a bit more creative and you rely on on representations of the product against backgrounds. And sure. so that's not been difficult. But three very powerful positive things that have happened as a result of COVID is that because there are no sports events and there is no theater and there are no movies coming out. And politics have been pushed into basements and into the corners. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thank goodness at some level. So because of all that, the online advertising costs have plummeted. And so what I had thought would be a significant expense, we're now getting for more than 50% less than we had budgeted. The other thing has happened is since everyone is the shelter and home orders, they're getting used to online shopping sure. and we're launching this company as a direct to consumer and a number of the uses at the feminine hygiene level and at the incontinence level are for older people too and those individuals who might have been shy about online shopping have been obligated to learn about it and so now the the usage is way up which makes it easier for us to access our market but the third component which was the most astounding development is that whenever you launch a category killer you have to educate the market. You do everything you can not to change their habits. And in fact, this device is a familiar surprise. You would approach it and thinks it looks like a beautiful trash can made by Apple. But it has a pedal, <laughs> you know, to awesome. push it. Yep. 
doesn't it? It has a very cool look. And that's Scott Henderson, who is a, a world-class industrial designer and also an equity owner in our company. He designed it, but it's a real familiar surprise. So you're not surprised to push the pedal and that it's going to open. But <laughs> what you need to get people to do is ex- help them understand why they would want to use this product in lieu of all the in things in that lieu of others. To. Exactly. Right. The diaper genie or the Ubi, sure. if we focus on that one vertical and now, because of the pandemic, I don't need to explain to anybody <laughs> right. the importance of, of quarantining germs. Right. germs. Yep. You know why you want to quarantine germs. You know festering and spreading is sure. bad. And you know with certainty that the things you do absolutely don't function in an appropriate way. And the way you know is because you have a nose. If you have <laughs> a nose, right. you know it doesn't work because it stinks. And that stink is a sign of rot and germs. So everyone knows they don't want to smell the stink because they don't want the germs. Wow. That's... So we feel that the pandemic, you know, has helped us sure. from a business perspective. It's tragic from a personal perspective. I get it. No, no question. Um, so what are the keys to getting this product to market, getting presence in stores, getting manufacturing, uh, rolling, et cetera? Well, the, the first thing that you had touched on is I, I have never done a category around product but it's sort of a um, consumer, consumer goods product. product. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've never done one. And so there's a lot of elements of getting it to market. Predominantly, you have to get it tested. You have to have it sure. tooled. You have to have it manufactured. And you have to have distribution. Absolutely. And what I looked at taking the paths I've taken before, which is you raise the money and then you develop the business, there's an insane amount of risk because you build it and hope people are going to come. Exactly. Without so, demand up front. <laughs> exactly. Unless you and do so a pre-sale it, event. Like you guys, and, and that's exactly what it was. And and yep. I had not done pre-sale. I'm not a early adopter of things, so I myself didn't even really have a good sense of this market. But whenever I approach a company, and as I said, I've never approached the same one twice. I do an awful lot of research. So as soon as I saw that it was daunting to raise the money and risky to raise the money, and then hope the market would be there, I said, "Well, how do I demonstrate a market?" Right. And that was why we came up with the pre-sale. But the other thing that I look to do is always get external affirmation on whether or not your path makes sense. So as soon as I decided on a pre-sale, it turns out that the U.S. top provider of pre-sale services is a company called Rain Factory out yes. of Seattle. Yep. And, and you know, and they're, they're just the pr- premier company for doing this. So I developed a pitch that I took to them to describe what we do. And I always try to get everything down to one page. And in this one, I actually got it to one paragraph. And I shared it with them. And they're very selective about who they choose. And in one phone call, not only did they choose to go forward with us, they said for the first time in their five-year history that they want to take the entire thing for equity which and that that. they wanted to put their own dollars behind it, separate from their services. And so I had my affirmation. That's pretty nice. And they're now our largest largest outside shareholder. Sure. And um, a very significant partner. In fact, each of the officers in the company took officer roles in this company, in Pedal, and are um, very much involved side by side. Hmm. So wow. it was um, great external affirmation. So the next step is, is the market there? And our early suggestion, our, our early indications are, yeah, it is there and that people do want this. And for little, very little dollars out, we're getting a really nice um, flow of leads. Sure. At a cost per lead substantially less than what we anticipated they should have cost, separate from the reduced advertising cost that was already factored in, and wow. we're still doing better. That's pretty awesome. So we feel good about it. And then, uh, at the, I guess the process would be after that you take 
what you have as orders and expected orders and then get into your manufacturing process right with an initial quantity yeah and essentially what's happening is that we're giving the people who are the early adopters a reduced price and incentive to want to have this product and then they pay at that time that they indicate their interest and we use those monies to go out and produce the product so it will be tested tooled manufactured and distributed and also for working capital and to have excess inventory. So upon a successful pre-sale event, we're, we're no longer a startup, we're an enterprise. And in fact, we operate from the beginning as if we are an enterprise, but there's still that magical moment where you say, all right, we hit our threshold and we got what we need to be an operating business, a going concern, and we go forward from there. And then what about on the distribution and retail side? Um, has that been a focus of yours yet? I mean, you could obviously do e-commerce, which is a good option. Um, I'm guessing you'll want to get into some of the big box stores, et cetera. A hundred percent. Well, there's three components to this. So one is the direct-to-consumer where we're going to rely on a Shopify-enabled commerce sure. site on our own. That's a good we option. We also have an Amazon store. And then there's the retail channel. But the beauty of what we're developing is that our mission is for it to be ubiquitous. And I don't mean ubiquitous just from the homes. I actually believe that once a home has it, and let's say they use it for the purposes of their children's, their baby's diapers, when those children go on to daycare, the mothers and fathers and fathers and fathers and mothers and mothers and every combination of a household – <laughs> are going to insist because there is a whole world of, of how we interact as families now. Sure. But they're going, to, and, and I should just say, and mothers by themselves and fathers by themselves are <laughs> going to insist that their daycare operators have a pedal because why would they take their child from a home that they now have made environmentally safe and fresh right, and then and put, put them, them in into an environment, environment that's not? That's right. And then, but then separate from that, other than the groundswell that we hope will happen where people will insist upon it is we're going to come from the top down in enterprise sales and explain to these same different nursing care and VA hospitals and daycare centers why it is they should have these on their own as a differentiator and just for the sake of having clean, fresh, um, sanitary environments. Wow. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, and yeah, so you got multiple outlets for this. I mean, the direct to consumer one, obviously, Shopify is a great option. Um, I think you'll get some store interest because of some of the competitors in the space and your unique value proposition. And then, yeah, I agree. Some of the outlets where you would take your kids and whatnot are going to need that type of product more than ever. Yeah. And velocity of sales will matter too. Everybody talks about owning retail space, but you have to demonstrate that you make sales to get sales. Absolutely. That's and, for sure. It's an ironic twist. One of the unique things about your product is it freezes everything. <laughs> yes. Diapers to pet waste, et cetera. So I found that interesting and intriguing and something different. Yeah, it, it struck me the same way when I was talking to the aerospace engineers. Right. And, it, you know, I think part of it is that we're both from the United States and don't think about things as always being cold. But That's if true. you're in Toronto <laughs> and you're you're in the confines of Canada, it's freezing even in the summer. I think they have a beautiful summer of about two days right around <laughs> July 4th. And then the rest of it is just cold. Right. And so they appreciate more than most why it is that you want to keep things frozen. And they're also further ahead on the composting angle. In fact, it's mandated. 
And so they're obligated to hold in green bins what they're going to give to the municipality at the end of a week. Imagine the rot and the garbage juice and the fruit flies and the rodents around that in your home. And so they've learned to make space in their freezers. Exactly. I was like, it's the yuck factor and and we're (laughs) sick of ick. I don't want any ick. For sure. No, thanks. So they're the ones who were cause of necessity figured out a solution, which is to start to freeze things. But who wants to put that next to their ice cream and everything else? And they're like, ah, I don't want that junk in my freezer either. We need no. to find a better place for this. I totally agree. Well, uh, you've, you've had a number of um, startups in the space and you've got this one, which is super exciting. Um, what, are, what are one or two of the biggest lessons learned that you've maybe experienced over time that you're able to apply here in this, in this role with Pedal? Well, number one is that everything happens with and through people. It wouldn't matter. I just matter love that if, idea, by the way. I, I love that concept. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> no, I love it. It's so awesome. It, it's something that I've learned repeatedly that I've had the opportunity because I've done uh, 13 turnarounds on behalf of major Fortune 500 companies and others where I'm, I'm obligated to start with whatever their people are within the divisions that I overtake, that I take over. Sure. And the first thing I've learned to do is essentially to triage by eliminating all of the toxic individuals. I, I fire them on the spot <laughs> and then to find the rock stars that are the unsung heroes and I elevate them immediately. And then you get rid of anyone who's obstructionist or just difficult. And then you let these individuals now look at each other where they recognize there's nothing negative in their community. Right. And they begin to coalesce because bloom. they want to be with each other. Totally. And oftentimes the people who get fired are the ones that have the best credentials. So the ones that were brought in because they had the A plus in some category. But what's missed is they destroyed the chemistry with their ego and wow. with their greed wow. and with their sense of power. And as soon as you eliminate them, yes, you've lost some resources, but what you gained was a team that comes together because by choice, where every single person will bring more than they ever would have because they're not feeling pushed down or intimidated or angry. And in fact, they feel safe and happy and they want to impress their teammates. So I, I sometimes refer to these, it's a reference that shows my age and a lot of people won't get it as the bad news bears, where it's a a baseball team essentially that comes together with the worst of the worst, the ones that I was that kid, by the way, the one that no one would ever (laughs) want on the kickball team because I'm terrible. But the joy of playing and the joy of coming together brings out something special if you don't feel like you are that kid. sure, And you you come to with something that no one else would have imagined. So I think that's been a lesson I knew very early on, but now I've been able to execute it almost 30 different times and I'm always delighted with the people in the company. And if and I'm very clear about the rules. So if people mess up, they know that I didn't fire them. In fact, I've only fired one person who somehow didn't get that she messed up. They generally just walk themselves out the door, but no right. one wants to leave. It's like they get addition here. through subtraction. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. It, that's 100%. It's geometric, though. I wish addition would be too... <laughs> it's it's um, a quantum leap of difference. Yeah. When no, you I eliminate think. toxicity and find the great people and know that they want to work with and through each other, yep. it's a completely different engine. I'm like, yeah, I would imagine that if every leader thought that way. Um, this is great. Okay, David, where can our listeners find you, engage with you, find your product, learn more, et cetera? 
Well, the product is what would matter most to the people who I am now leading, and that would be at pedalclean.com. I am available through LinkedIn as David M. M. Taffet, and um, I'm happy to connect people. And I spend a, a lot of my life actually mentoring other entrepreneurs and have been heading up at uh, Miami University and Ohio State University. And now I just moved to Fort Worth, Texas. So I'll be working with Dallas and Fort Worth to mentor entrepreneurs. And so I awesome. love this process. That's so great. Well, and I mean, you really were passionate about it, which I love. Well, it's been so great um, meeting you and hearing about your background and this new product, Pedal. Um, we got to get you back on later this year as things get really moving um, after your crowdsourcing, crowdfunding event. Um, we'd love to hear about that and then some of the new growth. So we plan to have you back on. I would like that very much. And I hope that I get to tell you a good story, but if not, it <laughs> will be a spectacular that. story either way. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, thanks so much for coming on, David. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.